Well, hello, saints. Hello, fellow sinners. It's good to see you today, and happy Fourth of July uh, weekend to you. Today, we're looking at a text from uh, one of the only two books in the Bible that does not exclusively mention God throughout the entire book. Uh, it is also the only time this book in the Bible is referenced in the Revised Common Lectionary and used. Uh, so we're going to be specifically looking at the Hebrew text known as the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon, also referred to as the Song of Songs. And we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. So I invite you to go ahead and, and turn there. Uh, if you're not sure where the Song of Solomon is located, it's the book right before you get to the prophetic book Isaiah. In the most basic form, the book of songs is a lyrical and a very passionate love poem written from the voice of a woman as she is expressing herself to her beloved. It is loaded with physical euphemisms to the point that some have argued over the centuries it should not even be included in the Christian and Jewish canons. And yet, as far back as the first century, the late first century, Rabbi Akiba ben uh, Joseph, who's a great sage, he was a writer, he was an exegete, he was a mystic, um, he described the Song of Solomon this way. He says, the whole world is not enough, is not worth the day on which the Song of Psalms was given to Israel. For all the scriptures are holy, but the song of songs is the holy of holies. Now, what made this first century rabbi say such a thing? He said it because it describes the overflowing and passionate love of God for her beloved. Even though the temple of Jerusalem had already been destroyed by the time he had written these words, Akiba wanted to remind the Jewish people that the beauty and the very essence of God could be found in these words in the Song of Solomon. And reciting this poem, that by saying this poem, a person can feel the passion, the presence of holiness of the Lord himself. Later, Christian scholars came to understand the Song of Psalms as, a, as an allegory of Christ's love for the church. So I'm going to be reading from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Here are the words of this love poem. The voice of my beloved, look, he comes, leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. Oh, my beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. 
The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom, and they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, come away. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the covert of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. Catch us the foxes, those little foxes that ruin the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The two lovers' eyes, they meet. They are totally smitten with one another. They cannot help staring at each other through the lattice on the fence, and they begin to utter soft, murmuring words of love to the other. They're words of longing, words of pleading, words of passion, words of desire. They're words also of warning. Did you catch that one? Did you catch the warning? In verse 15, uh, in the midst of their intimate exchange comes the word of warning. Let us catch the foxes that spoil the vines because our vineyard is now blooming. Their relationship was strong. It was good. But they had to be attentive to it. The lovers enraptured with one another. Their passion is in full bloom. The enticing fragrance of love is literally in the air. The feeling of love is palpable. It's beautiful. It's good. And the relationship is strong and good. But the couple has to be attentive to the little foxes that sneak in and can ruin the vineyard. These little foxes are the little things that can intrude into the couple's relationship and cause havoc in their lives together. You know those little foxes, don't you? Have you ever encountered them in your relationships? You know, telling trivial half-truths to your partner? Using the credit card a little too much without the other person's knowledge and racking up debt that they don't know about? Saying that you will do something for the other person, but you never do? You only say what you know that will get them off your back so they'll leave you alone. It's these little things, my friends, that become the genesis and the small seed that grow into larger problems affecting the relationship later on. Now how? How do little foxes spoil and ruin a good vineyard? Well, first, foxes are nocturnal. Foxes are nocturnal and they only come out at night and the mischief can't be seen by others. And from where do they come from? Well, these little mischief makers, they, they come from their dens burrowed 
up under these tunnels under the ground, oftentimes under their food sources. Now, have you ever seen a dog dig a hole? We had an old Airedale, and she loved to dig. And one day we came home, and she had dug, it was so hot in Atlanta, she had dug the entire bottom out of a large concrete patio so she could make a little den under there. Now, friends, that's what the little foxes were doing. They were digging their tunnels up under the vineyard's ground. Rocks, dirt, everything was flying. And you see, what causes the problem is that the more tunneling that goes underneath the vineyard, the less stable the ground becomes. Furthermore, as the foxes are digging, they are digging and chewing through the root system that is supporting the vineyard above ground. To those on the outside, the vineyard may look fine for a while. But because the fox is unseen in the tunnel, cutting the vines, the roots, eventually the root systems will dry. And the vine will dry up and die. Furthermore, foxes, if they go unchecked, attract other pets or pests and rodents, like mice, rats. And then the fox start eating the mice. And then the insects, they come and they swarm and start eating the leaves. Then you got the birds that start swarming in and eating the fruit. You see, foxes are always cute, and that's why we are so reticent in trying to get them out of the garden in the first place. But the problem is, they are an invasive species to a garden. Now, we all know about invasive species down here in Florida, don't we? We've got everything from the bufo toads, curly-tailed lizards, and our beloved chicken of the trees. We call iguanas. A little fox in the vineyard is a catalyst for all sorts of problems in the garden. And hence the urging in verse 15. Catch the little foxes before they spoil the vineyard that's in bloom. So, if Rabbi Akiba is correct and the Songs of Solomon is a glimpse into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God is, where we can encounter the living Lord. What are those little foxes, my beloved, that we need to be aware of in our own vineyards that prohibit our relationship from growing, developing, and maturing with Jesus Christ? Let me tell you about three little foxes we can look for. Little fox number one, excuse making. Making excuses for failing to do something in or for a relationship will kill the relationship over time. If we keep making excuses, we're telling the other person, you know, you're really not that important to me. What you want me to do is not that important to me because if, if it were, if it, you were, I would do it. 
What excuses do you and I make with God? Are there aspects in your Christian walk that consistently have you making excuses to God for not doing them? I don't have enough time to read the Bible. But you do have time to go out and play several rounds of golf. Well, I don't have enough money to give to the church. But you can easily drop $500 in town on a weekend night for entertainment and drinks and dinner. Friends, golf, nights out on the town, those are all good things, my friends. But when we continue to go to God with making excuses for not following in the footsteps and the character of Christ with basic Christian disciplines, God hears those excuses over and over and over again. And he finally just says, do you really love me? I assume you don't care. Little fox number two. Failing to spend time with the other. Now, our society has brought, bought into the lie of this quality time thing. You know, it doesn't matter about how much time we spend with somebody. It's the quality of that time together. Well, that's... I disagree with that. Don't misunderstand me. Quality time spent with others is vital, but so is the quantity of time we are investing and in spending with the other. I may be able to take you to some of the finest restaurants and most glamorous dates you've ever been on, but unless we consistently spend time together, our relationship will not grow deeper. You cannot build a life-sustaining relationship with your spouse if the only time you invest time is when you kiss them goodbye in the morning. It requires time spent with. See, when we don't spend time with those we love, something called marital drift begins to occur. You see, the time, marital drift is the time when, when our passion grows dull because we're further and further away from those we love or used to love. In the, in the midst of marital drift, it becomes easier to say little lies. It's easier to make excuses for not doing things. It's easier to excuse the absence that you are demonstrating in their life. Church, how much time are you investing with God? Let's not go to little fox number one and start making excuses. That's can't do that. I want us to seriously reflect, am I spending quantitative and quality time with the Lord? 
At the very least, my friends, quality and quantity time with Christ is expressed through our worship habits. They're expressed through our growth and spiritual maturity. It is expressed through the giving of our time and talents as we invest in other people through care and service of others. It is demonstrated by the sharing of our financial resources for the church and the kingdom of God. You show me a person who are doing these things, I will show you a person that's investing quality time and quantity time in their spiritual life with God. Little fox number three. A relationship is damaged when we fail to say, I love you on a consistent basis. I cannot tell you, my friends, how many people over the course of my 30-plus years of ministry who have longed their entire life to hear a parent or sibling say, I love you, honey. I cannot tell you how many couples I have met with over the years whose wives, whose husbands yearn to hear their spouse say, I love you. I cannot tell you, my younger friends, how many parents dream of their children, even their adult children, reaching out and saying, I love you, Mama. I love you, Daddy. You see, my friends, when we fail to say I love you, it communicates that we really are taking the other for granted. Or in the words of an old movie title, I'm not really all that into you. Friends, how often do you tell God, I love you? How often do you tell those you know, I love you? Friends, I've named three little foxes that can destroy the vine in a relationship making excuses, failing to spend time together, and neglecting to say, I love you. There are countless others, but my friends, if we could focus on these three and be attentive to these three in our relationship with God, our relationship with our families, with our neighbors, with our strangers, my goodness, we will make an impact in this world. This 4th of July weekend, when we have so much to be thankful for. Let's look at our vineyard. Let's go fox hunting and gather up all the little foxes that may be spoiling the vine. Pray with me. Almighty loving God, as we gather this day, be with us, guide us, and spirit us 
Oh, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, enable us to quit making excuses and spending time with you. Oh, Lord, help us through your Holy Spirit to spend more time with those we love. Help us, oh God, through your Spirit to be mindful and tell you and others how much we love them. We don't want to let anybody feel taken for granted, much less you, oh Christ our God. Hear our sweet prayers. Amen.
My friends, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. He says, I want to come in. I want to have dinner with you and you with me. Beloved, if you would like to profess or reprofess your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never been baptized and would like to be baptized into the life of the church, I call me. Please call the church and speak with me, Pastor Nick, Pastor Pam. We would love to speak with you. My friends, as you go this day, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and smile sweetly and brightly, radiantly, giving you the very peace of Jesus Christ. Go in that peace. Amen. And now as we continue our worship, let us take the candle that we have lit. And my friends, let us extinguish this light as a reminder that each of us carry this light out into the world, making a difference for the kingdom of grace and glory. So be it.